In this episode, the most important foundation for distance running and how to implement it successfully, plus the record for consecutive days completing a marathon, how long it took to run 1,000 miles, and updates on the fall marathon scene. Information about the world of running, inspiration to fuel passion and excellence, and ideas for making connections and finding community. You're listening to A to Z Running. Welcome to episode 39. I'm Zach, and I've got the lovely Andy here with me. Oh, I thank you. Andy. Oh, little known fact to many of you, Andy, her entire childhood was known as Andy Ruth. She was actually, no one knew her as Andy, period, growing up. Mm -hmm. She was always Andy Ruth, Andy Ruth, Andy Ruth. And then suddenly in college, as many of us do, she apparently had an identity shift, just a slight pivot. And the Ruth disappeared. (laughs) The Ruth never disappeared, but I didn't want to explain to people my name. It was (laughs) it was like too difficult because you meet a ton of new people in college. And is it really that difficult? I don't know. I'm Andy Ruth. And they're like, Andy, what? You know, so I just rather say Andy because that's way easier. Yeah. And then it gets really funny when every once in a while someone goes, Andy Ruth. And everyone like whirls their head around like, who is that? (sighs) Oh, yeah. Someone from way long ago. All right. Well, we are so excited today because we're talking about. Okay, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how exactly to set this up with you all because this is just. This is representative. What we're going to talk about here and for the next few weeks is representative of, in my mind, um, a culmination of just about everything we've learned in the sport of running, in a sense, and try to essentially distill it down to what is distance running really, truly all about, like its foundation. Foundations, yes. And then we decided to come up with the three training foundations. And we're going to present them to you. Yeah. In three consecutive episodes. Zach is so excited because he's totally nerding out. He loves all this stuff. So I have to say this is not about all of distance running. This is about the physical part of running. So community and stuff, you've heard all that all before, but now we're getting into the nitty gritty, the science. And we've also, we've done it in previous episodes as well, but we're yeah. bringing it to you in a more long form than we have before, even though it's distilled. No, it's not long. It's not long form. It's not long form. But what we're going to do here is we're going to essentially try to take our best. So I haven't read, obviously, everything that's been written about training and running and such. Um, but what I've attempted to do is read as much of the major contributions to our understanding today of how to train well and try to just look for what what are what's the key? What is the key? And there is a key in distance running as well there should be. Um, but, th- but there's also just kind of these few foundational elements that when you put them together, it creates the best possible chance for success. And that is what we're bringing to you. And in three parts. So part one is today. But of course, before we get to that, we have some great things to share from the running world. So if anyone's run a marathon before, you may feel like all the memes, which is, you know, it's impossible to walk up the stairs, down the stairs, sit up from a sitting position. 
is very difficult, right? At least it was for me. But this woman, Alyssa Clark, she's 27 years old. She broke the record for consecutive days running a marathon. So every day she was running oh, a marathon. Man. Here we go. Yes. So she ran 61 marathons in a row. 61 every days. Day. Yeah. And she did some traveling. So she had to do some like middle of the night ones. She made it happen regardless of her situation. So wow. yeah, she's aiming for 100 days and she hit the 61 that accomplished the goal of getting the record. Uh, the record, okay. But I actually admire her for stopping, you know, if she felt like that was a good move for her body. You know, it's not worth doing 100. She should like break her foot or something? Yeah, what stopped I, her? I don't know. It didn't say in oh, the article. Interesting. Uh, she completed 30 of them on the treadmill oh. during quarantine. They weren't allowed outside. Oh, that is, that's tough. I can't. So first, first thought, first question. This is me being slightly sarcastic, but... Um, if she ran like 27 miles, did that not count? Did it have to be exactly a marathon? Uh, it doesn't say. Yeah. But mm-hmm. she was in Italy at the time. Oh, uh, yeah. But she did travel, oh, yeah. like I said. No so doubt I can't she really tell to stay you. inside. Yeah. yeah. I can't really tell you like where all she's sure. she's been, but she's originally from uh, Vermont. And since she's a spy, she probably can't tell you where she's Ooh. been either. Right? That's the secret here. So the next item on the docket is short and sweet that we can tell you. New York City Marathon is officially canceled, although we Bummer. all expected that. NYC, yeah. But yeah. on the other hand, Hamburg Marathon Humber. is on. It's on. It's on and for that's September. Uh, September. Okay. Yeah. So that will be about 10,000 people, including elites. There's only 30 elites that will be allowed, and they're all required to take covid tests yeah that makes sense because i mean it's an olympic year if someone gets covid right now who's an athlete they're going to be out for training it's going to set them back quite a bit but for clarification they're not requiring the other ten thousand people no. to get. i mean it didn't say but mm. i'm guessing no uh they're going to have waves of 1000 going Ooh. in 10 minute intervals so that's that's the idea that everyone seems to be kind of gravitating toward in the races is just doing these wave starts. Obviously, you're going to get, you know, quite a protracted start time. And so if you have to close roads, which for Hamburg, they're definitely closing roads, um, then yeah, it's difficult. But mm-hmm. for those races that don't have to close roads, you can do this to the nth degree. Oh, so you can day. run as many people as you want, start them whenever you want, put bibs on them. I think the best part about this is if you orchestrate it so that, you know, if you have seed times or like predicted finish times, and you can try to get those people in the same start wave, you know, so it's kind of staggered appropriately based off your finish time. So you're still racing with the people that about that you'd be running with. Mm-hmm. It's great. And if you're interested in hosting like a small race in your hometown, like a 5K, 10K, even a half marathon, we do have an article based on an event that we were a part of. Actually, Zach Granite and I just participated by uh, taking some pictures. Spectatoring. Spectating, even though it's kind of not allowed. Anyway. That's not I, true. <laughs> I, I, was, I was allowed. Rebecca, the race director, said it was okay for me to be sticking around a little bit. But I we wrote an article that has some great tips based on their successful event that they had there so moving on this isn't a smooth transition but a man got an ice age trail record ultra marathoner Corey waldering had run nearly a thousand miles in three weeks a thousand miles in three weeks don't me say that again a thousand miles in three weeks wait hang on (laughs) weren't we just talking about the 61 marathon consecutive thing and he ran a thousand miles in three weeks 
Maybe he took some days off. Maybe that's why he doesn't get I that. have no idea. Okay. All right. Well, I, still. I mean, these are two different headlines. So. All right. Let's do the math. 20 days. 20 days. 1,000 miles in three weeks. That's 50 miles a day. That's After crazy. Andy did it on a calculator for me so that I could see what the number is. <laughs> Thanks. So he had to cover the final 157 miles in 40 hours if he wanted oh. to beat the fastest known time on the trail. Yikes. Yeah. So he had two all-nighters. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so this gentleman, Corey, he thought that he might do it in a few years, but when COVID happened, he just did it. So he wasn't actually, like he'd been running, but he wasn't preparing specifically for this. So he was thinking in like two to five years, but COVID happened. He's like, well, now's the time. I'm not sure I understand that connection, except for that. <laughs> the time. There's never a the good time. time to try to run a thousand miles in three weeks. Okay. Well, but he did have a lot of aerobic fitness. Apparently, he's grown quite the base for aerobic fitness. So that's what we're going to be talking about after the break. Wow, what a great transition from Andy. Listen to that wonderful transitioning. And that's exactly what we are talking about right now. See, we didn't actually reveal that yet. So you, that was a subtle play that Andy just gave. Because here's here's the point. We're talking about the training foundations. Three episodes, three parts, or three fundamentals of successful distance running. That's what you're about to get. And so this first part and what we believe to be the single most important thing, and I think by we, I mean the running world, the single most important thing for distance runners is your aerobic ceiling. Thus the phrase, raising the roof. Raise the roof. Training foundation number Raise one, Raise raising the roof. Mm -hmm. Keep it going. So yes, absolutely that. And wh what we want to try to do here is we want to tell you a little bit about how we came to our current understanding of this kind of stuff and what the science is behind that. And then take that science and apply it to a foundational principle. Wait, wait, wait. wait. All you who kind of know about this stuff already, don't just switch the next episode. I mean, you can if you want. I'm not going to stop you. But- in this episode, we're going to be distilling a lot of schools of thought. So there's always something to learn, always something to refocus on. So even if you focused on it before, sometimes it's good to get a reorientation as to why we do what we do to help motivate us to continue on in our training. All right. So let's let's back it up just a little bit here, um, because in our running journey, I think our running experience reflects a lot of yours in different ways. And so part of what we want to do here is is connect a dot somewhere for everyone who's listening to this. Because um, when we talk about these ideas, um, we're going to talk about them in, in some complex ways. I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can. But that complex understanding that we have right now took a long time to get to that. And the mo majority of our running experiences had absolutely no understanding of the what we're going to talk about here. Um, you know, beyond the simple like running long is probably good because it makes you be able to run long. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, high school and college. I just want to start there briefly, briefly. Andy and I had very different kinds of high school and college experiences with like understanding the sport of running and such. And I can honestly tell you that in, in high school, I'm not sure I understood anything about running. We just ran. We just did it. And that's right. all I know. And that's true for most high schoolers, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But and I I love to get to know why I was doing 
each workout. And my coach, Dave Hodgkinson, who we've had on this podcast before, did explain things to me. Although I didn't retain very much on the aerobic fitness front. I think that we focused more on the form and getting the mechanics right. Like that is another foundation. Oops, did I give that away? Anyway, that's one of the other foundations um, is becoming a stronger animal and keeping... Stop, stop. You're giving it away. (laughs) We focused on mechanics and we focused on running correctly. Yeah, and it's important. So here's here's a misconception, correction, for many of you listening. A, a common misconception with aerobic is that aerobic is, you know, synonymous with running more. And that's obviously that's a piece of aerobic development. But, um, you know, people always say, you know, we, you know, we got to do more aerobic running. So we're just running longer. And that's that's not only that's only a dynamic involved there. So we're going to get into that some, too. Um, and then, you know, enter the college experience where. You, you know, you grow your circles a little bit more. And I think for me in college, the difference being um, that's when my motivation to understand the sport started to grow a bit. But for me, the primary motivation, the, literally the driving factor behind the decisions I was trying to make about training were if that fast guy over there is doing it, then I want to do it. And, you know, what are, what are the fast people doing? That's what I want to do. Well, don't we all do that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. don't we all? Strava is like built for that. It's like if you see someone doing something, you're like, "Ooh, I better do that too." But we shouldn't. No comparison. Be doing that. We talk about that all the time. It's not even just about no comparison. Just because someone's doing something doesn't mean that we should, and it especially doesn't mean that we should at that moment. Exactly. We need to understand why they're doing what they're doing, when they're doing it, and whether that's the kind of thing we should be doing. And we're actually about that's to share kind of all of that. No, that's exactly it. It's not hard. That's the most important part you should take away from what we're about to share here. This is not difficult, but we're not going to get there yet because we do want to break that down a little bit further because from there, for me, it was like, you know, fast people run lots of miles and do long run. You know, they, in college, it was like fast guys run 18 mile long runs. So I, I was running 18 mile long runs and it was like, you know, fast people run hundred miles a week, but I, I wasn't ready to do that yet. But I could run a little more than I, you know, so then it was 80 and then it was 90 and, you know, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it was not because I understood why to do those things as much as that's what fast people do. Mm -hmm. So there's a turning point. And this is why the reason we're sharing all of this is because um, what we understand about training today is infinitely beyond where we were even just recently, you know, several years ago. And a large part of that came when the question turned from what are, you know, what to do to be fast. So there's the question of how do I get fast or what do I do to be fast or to get better, to improve all of those kinds of things. The question changed from that to what are these things doing to my body and what does my body need to be able to improve and and achieve those goals? And there's a different answer when you ask the question that way. And it was a very important difference. So for me, that actually came when I decided I wanted to quit running. (laughs) So there was a moment, I've had a few of these now. There's a moment where I was like, "Ah, I'm done. I'm just not going to keep doing this. Well, and I think we should clarify for those of you listening, when he says that he means at the, like, having his life kind of revolve around it. So not that he was going to give up running completely, but give up training for goals. The thought in my head was I'm done trying to be better every day. Like I don't want to just keep pushing and keep trying to achieve that next goal. Instead, I just want to just run and have that be. Which is okay. That absolutely is. But at the same time, it, there was no particular reason why I was making that choice, except that I wasn't accomplishing the goals that I had. So 
light bulb, right? Light bulb. You're not achieving your goals. It wasn't because I couldn't like physically incapable of running any faster, but in my mind, I was telling myself that. So instead the challenge arose, there's always a challenge, right? In that moment. And this was Jed Christensen shout out to Jed. So one of my pals, and he says to me, Oh, wait, 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 before you decide to stop being competitive or trying to achieve these PRs or goals, you need to run a marathon. I hadn't done that yet. And in his mind, everybody's got to at least do one. And Jed's yeah, the guy. That's what happens when you start when you're eight. Yeah, Jed's the guy who ran his first, eight, his first marathon at eight years old. By the way, he ran, ran the American eight-year-old record in the mm-hmm. marathon, which apparently is a thing, or at least he knows what the <laughs> time is. So um, Jed tells me, you got to run a marathon. And then Jed was kind of the guy who, who helped me along the road at that time of leading to that first marathon, the Chicago Marathon in 2015. And... The interesting thing was Jed was obsessed with understanding why training influenced the body in different ways and how to achieve the best possible outcomes based off of that understanding of the science. And it was totally new in my mind, like just this obsession that he had with it. And Jed introduced me to Lydiard because he was he was very consumed by what Lydiard had been doing and trying to understand that better. So tell us about Lydiard. So Arthur Lydiard, just a quick background. Arthur Lydiard is, is generally assumed to be kind of the, the father. What do they say? The father of modern training is essentially what they say. Um, he's the first person who kind of seemed to create the sense that we have of what to do in training to, to accomplish the different elements like anaerobic training, aerobic training, speed training, all that kind of stuff. There were definitely intelligent people in the world of training before Lydiard. He wasn't the first smart guy in that sense. Um, But he seemed to put all the pieces together in a way that no one had before and did it in such a way that I guarantee you, you cannot find a coach today who doesn't do things reminiscent of some of Lydiard's stuff Mm -hmm. because he basically just set the stage for what everyone has decided about training afterward. So he lived from 1917 to 2004. Yeah, and Long coached. Life. Yeah, coached a great many Olympic medalists, um, and coached athletes from all over the world. His he got his start in New Zealand, where he's from. Um, that that's kind of where he birthed his his modern practices. Um, but he's coached all over the world. The most significant influences, by the way, that Lydiard has are on Japanese distance runners. No surprise that they have a really successful marathon contingent, um, Japanese distance runners, and then some of the uh, Scandinavian states as well. Interesting uh, connections there. So um, anyway, we're not going to try to talk a ton about Lydiard here. You can read up on him. I highly encourage anyone listening to read two books. There are two books that I want you to read if you're we'll listening to this. Yes, we will. Um, so the first is Lydiard's book, and it's been redone and updated and such since he first published. I think he first published it in like the 70s, but it's been revamped and updated as recent as like right before he died. Um, and that is Running with Lydiard, the name of the book. In it, he basically explains everything he thinks about running. <laughs> so it's great. Um, and then there's another one which helps kind of put some pieces together in a little bit clearer way as well. And that is Healthy Intelligent Training by Dr. Keith Livingstone, who was not himself directly one of those guys that was coached to great success by Lydiard, but he was around them and worked with some of them in, in some ways. He was very close to all of that. So um, read those two books because it's going to help you understand at a level that we're not going to try to explain here. Yeah. And like I said, they're going to be at a to z running.com slash episode 39. So here's the key with all of this is I, I started reading some Lydiard and then I thought to myself, 
what does everybody else say? And so I've spent a significant amount of time, as I mentioned earlier, trying to read as much of the authoritative writing on current training practices as I could. And I started to notice very quickly, as anyone will when you're reading these things, is they're all very similar. They're very similar, but there's some slight differences. And it all has to do with essentially everybody seems to agree on certain basic things. We just disagree on how to then implement those things to achieve the goal. That tends to be the only difference. So I want to break that down very briefly. This is this is not going to take long because um, I think we all agree on, on certain things like everyone agrees that aerobic conditioning is paramount to successful distance running. You must have a good aerobic condition to mm-hmm. be a successful distance runner. And again... I don't know how many of you are familiar with what aerobic conditioning is, and that's actually, people call it like cardio. That's not the same thing. (laughs) But it requires pumping oxygenated blood Mm. by the heart to your working muscles. Yes. So that's different than anaerobic, which is not with oxygen. Right. And that's exactly what the word means. Aerobic means with oxygen. Anaerobic means without oxygen. So your oxygen-based system is your aerobic condition. And how efficiently you do that is the measurement that we love to call VO2 max, which we're not going to get into right now. But at read Daniel's running formula, Jack Daniel's running formula, if you want some good stuff on VO2 max. He, he's the guy who really broke that down. But anyway, so that's where we start to disagree is we understand that aerobic condition is important. You need to be able to run well well at you know your oxygen-based condition um some however disagree on like do you do that in isolation just train the aerobic condition do you do that with combinations of other things and how much do you weigh certain things like anaerobic elements speed elements you know all that kind of stuff um so then that's where you get like jack daniels is is the one who basically says do everything and do all of it as well as you can and lydiard is one who's like a periodization guy who says do certain things emphasized heavily at certain times and kind of have a progression everyone seems to do kind of some blend of those things <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just the reality um everyone agrees Point number two here, everyone agrees that to perform at your best, you need all elements refined. So by goal race day, I need to have a high aerobic condition. I also need to have anaerobic development. I need to have some raw speed development. I need all of that stuff, even if I'm running a marathon. But to what degree and how much you need to emphasize certain things at certain times, there's tons of variation in that as well. There should be, you know, Andy is a good example of this with the Chicago marathon. Well, I actually didn't have any real anaerobic right. work. <laughs> and there's a reason for that because she didn't have enough time. Yeah. So she was coming off a major injury and was constrained in the amount of time she could train. So then the question became, with the time given, what's the most important thing to do? And I bet you can guess because you're listening to this episode, the the answer to that was anaerobic development. <laughs> Or aerobic, sorry. <laughs> I about to and, say, and that's he's looking not right. at me like you just contradicted yourself. Aerobic <laughs> development. So we actually spent 100% of Andy's training cycle building up to her Chicago Marathon in 2019 focused on aerobic development. We can come back to that at some point. Not in this episode. We don't have time to. But why did we do the things we did in that training cycle? What kinds of decisions you need to make when the situation changes? That matters. And that's actually influencing this this third point here, which is everyone agrees that almost nothing is absolute. <laughs> that all training decisions must be made in context because you can only make a decision in context. I'm going to say something that everybody loves to hear, and that's uh, you are unique. Oh, come on. <laughs> but not so unique that you don't need aerobic conditioning. <laughs> and that's the fact, right? That's the fact. Um, so every decision is made in context. Those contexts include 
your current goals, your current situations, which can change dramatically. And then, of course, different people are different contexts. So all of that matters. And your strength and your whole structure. Uh, yeah. What you were doing last year <laughs> and what you want to be doing next tear. year. Oh, my goodness. If you just recently had two kids. And yep. So all, all of those kinds of situations. Right. I hope that everyone listening to this is just nodding along with a smile. Because you agree, yeah, life changes dramatically one day to the next. Okay. Um, If a pandemic hits. Well, Zach and I are both, I want to put this in here. We don't have it planned to say, but Zach and I are both working on our fitness, our aerobic conditioning by doing some cross training. Lots of cross training. Yeah. Because we're not able to run due to different, well, Zach is running some, but he's building back. So, yeah. yeah. So we are still working on aerobic conditioning by I'm doing aqua jogging, he's doing cycling. All right, so obviously with the, with those understandings, everybody agrees on those things, but we still train very differently. And the question is, what do we need to know? Like what are the what are the most essential things that are happening in our bodies, to our bodies when we're doing this training? And that then produces the answer to how to best train to prepare. And remember, our assumption right now is that the most important thing here is building an aerobic condition. Everybody needs that fundamentally. And so we want to answer that question. So I'd, let me cut through the noise just a little bit. Um, basic fundamentals apply. This is the key here. D- it does not matter your context. There are still some basic things that are true for all of us that we need to be attentive to. And these are the things that I didn't have a clue about as I was going through most of my training earlier on that I, that I mentioned. All right, so here are the things that si- the science is fairly clear about. Um, the kinds of things that best develop your aerobic condition. There are certain kinds of things you can do in training that are, are most effective for developing aerobic condition. So that's one what thing. What are those, Zach? I'm not going to tell you yet. The next is the need for substantial time to grow your aerobic condition. So we actually know that it takes a long time to get to what we might call your aerobic ceiling, which, by the way, there is no aerobic ceiling. That's another thing that the science is Keep clear on. Raising the it roof. just keeps going up until you get to the point where literally your body is physically incapable of gaining fitness. Like you're too old or you're, you're starting to break down to the point where your breakdown is faster than your recovery is able to. Yeah, anyway. So yeah, if I'm 25, 26, 27, if I'm 36 years old and I haven't started to break down completely yet, then it is still possible to raise my aerobic condition consistency is the key there that's why that guy could do what how many marathons Uh, 200 or something like that that's definitely a part of it that wasn't from this week but another week we're talking about a gentleman who had run like several 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 marathons under 220 um and like 200 under three hours yep so um another thing that science is clear about is how much easier and faster it is to develop other aspects of running and fitness so aerobic takes a long time and in in many ways so what they say about this is with aerobic condition is you can spend years developing your aerobic condition and just developing your aerobic condition and of course you're not going to hit a ceiling however practically speaking at some point or another you're going to have a goal race that you want to perform at your best and in order to do that, you need to develop, as we mentioned earlier, the full spectrum. You, you can't just have great aerobic condition. You need anaerobic development. You need raw speed development, all those kinds of things. And those kinds of things are easier and faster to develop than your aerobic condition. That's important. I always see these questions like on Quora and different places <laughs> like, oh, how do I run sub three hours in two weeks? 
They'll yeah. say something like that, and it's like, um, well. <laughs> First of all, Quora is the place to go where all good questions die. Hey, I, there are some good conversations that can happen on Quora, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of people will ask something like that, and you know, they they just don't know. I'm not shaming that, but it's just they don't know that it takes much longer than two weeks or a one week or five yeah. days. I've seen all kinds of numbers, you guys. You need more time to train yes. for a marathon than that. Matter of fact, you need at least a few months to develop your aerobic condition well. At least a few months. We will come back to that point. So then the last one I just want to make a mention of, obviously we know that the impact of various efforts are different on our system. So like running harder and running easier, obviously they impact our system differently. But why? Is because at a cellular level, the muscular cells are destroyed in different ways at different times. You're always destroying yourself if you're a runner. You are. You are literally. (laughs) Um, But it's important to understand that you destroy certain things at certain rates differently. So like a, a short burst, a very fast sprint does a very minimal amount of destruction to certain kinds of things that then replenish really quickly. So you can do like short, fast bursts quite a bit without, you know, uh, like overtaxing your system. The principle of this is that recovery matters now. So when we're talking about like how the science is clear, the science is clear that you need to recover more if you do certain things than other things. And all of this brings us to the number one rule to aerobic conditioning and the five principles to accomplishing that rule well. So this is when we said we're, we're publishing. So we, we have a three-part episode here, and then we're going to publish our training foundations guide. So we're going to publish that so that you can actually just own the copy in PDF form or print it out. And all of this will be just collected for you in a very concise manner. So here it is. This is why you're listening to this episode, to hear me say this. Okay, the rule. Are you ready, Andy? I'm ready. Run hard aerobic efforts as often as possible. That's it. That's the <laughs> that's the rule for aerobic conditioning. Run hard aerobic efforts as often as possible. And that is not to the detriment of your ability to recover. And therein lies the magic. You can't do it every day because then you can't recover amply to do it again. Yeah. I mean, if you try to run too fast, if you're giving too much in each run, then you're not recovering. So you're actually going down. You can't see my hand, but it's going. And if you're running that aerobic effort for too long, so a hard aerobic effort, here's the thing. We know that there's a kind of a line. It's not really a line. It's more of a gray area where your system starts to not be able to use oxygen anymore. And then you shift into anaerobic. So there's an area where that happens. And the ideal aerobic effort is before you get to the point where you're starting to need to produce lactic acids, you're starting to become anaerobic. And before you get to that point, that's a hard aerobic effort. And if you do it for too long, then it still creates the same problem. So here's the thing. I can run, okay, I'm going to just give you a very simple example. I can run 530 per mile pace, for example, uh, for maybe like an hour or so. And that's, that's a pretty tough thing, but it's not anaerobic. However, if I do it for an hour and a half, it's starting to become anaerobic. Um, The idea here is the amount of time changes when it becomes anaerobic as well. So we do these hard aerobic efforts as often as possible, but they have to be the right kind of length. And in doing that, you have to follow these five principles to accomplish this appropriately. All right, you ready? Here we go. Number one, build slowly over time. 
So if I try to if I try to do an hour run at a hard aerobic effort every other day um, from nothing, I'm going to destroy my body. Delayed onset this, muscle fatigue. Hey, hey, y'all, you've heard this before to build slowly over time, but I know you because I am you, which means you need to be more patient. <laughs> That means coming back from She's injury. Lecturing you. She's I know. Lecturing you. Be coming more back patient. from injury. I mean, this is this is near and dear to my heart because I have suffered consequences from this. Yeah. So I'm saying this to protect you. Don't come back, even if you are a seasoned runner. Don't come back and run too much. Yeah. See, I mean, you know, like the 10% rule is a decent thing to follow, but it's not a real rule, and it it, it doesn't really have to be that. But but you definitely need to build slowly over time. So this week I'm going to run probably about 40. How many miles? About forty-five miles is what I ran this week. Um, after biking all, all for and like you 10 complemented days. that with biking. Yes, a lot cycling. of biking. Yep, yeah. a lot of biking, a lot of cycling. And so then next week I'll probably run fifty-five-ish to sixty. You know, so is is that ten percent? No, um, but but it doesn't have to be because of what I was doing just two weeks ago. You know, so I'm not I'm not coming off of nothing for six months. And you know, it, it matters. It matters. But build slowly. Number two. Very distance and effort. So I mentioned hard aerobic effort every day doesn't work. Hard aerobic effort every other day actually is just about right. And that's kind of where we've put our sweet spot. That there. is yeah. indeed. And that comes directly from Lydiard, by the way. We didn't just make that one up. But either way, varying distance and effort, here's what it accomplishes. You run harder for a shorter amount of time and then easier for a longer amount of time about every other day. And what you're doing is you're accomplishing the same goal in both runs, which is a quality aerobic effort for the amount of time set out. And so you're accomplishing at the scientific level of trying to develop these adaptations toward your aerobic condition. You're doing it in two different ways, but both are efficient and effective ways to do it. So you can continue every single day marching closer to your goal. Mm. That's why you're varying distance and effort. Number three, avoid extremes. <laughs> right. So don't do really hard workouts. Our goal here, the understanding here is you're trying to develop your aerobic condition. Don't do really, really hard workouts during this time. Don't do it because you have to recover for days and that defeats the purpose. Also, you want to be able to be building. Yes. And this is during the building phase. At well, the end, is, you can do more of the Yeah, shorter, this is when you're trying to yeah. grow your aerobic ceiling. And yeah. we know the science is clear that in order to do that well, you need to run hard aerobic efforts as often as possible. And so if you do a really hard run, then you have to take a couple of days to even if it's, it's, it might even be more than a couple of days to recover and you've just sacrificed that time when you could have had adaptations toward your cardiovascular, all of that. Okay. So avoid extremes. Also that includes long. Don't go too long because, um, as Hanson's Hanson's have published a number of things on this, they have a very strong opinion about long runs, but they're right about one thing. Um, when you go too long, you're creating another kind of destruction to your cells. Um, and it just, it, it overtaxes them and takes that much longer for you to recover. And so you want to go long enough to achieve the goal and not so long that you have to take days on end to recover because mm -hmm. you want to be able to run another quality aerobic run even the next day. Mm. That's important. So avoid extremes. Uh, number four, build and maintain substantial weekly long run. I'm not contradicting myself here. What is a substantial weekly long run? For just about anyone on the planet, it's about two to two and a half hours. Really. You really don't need to be running much longer two, than Two to two and a half, that's a lot. Two to that's, two and a half that's hours. That's a really long run. I'm not saying everyone has to run two to two and a half hours. I'm saying you shouldn't be running much more than that. Oh, so you're building to that. Yes. Okay. 
And so we're talking about a weekly long run. That doesn't mean you don't do longer than that types of runs. And if you're ultra marathoners, I'm not even talking to you because I don't even understand what you're doing. <laughs> but for the, for the majority of us, it doesn't matter if I'm running 5Ks or if I'm running marathons. When I'm trying to grow my aerobic condition, I should be doing a two to two and a half hour long run. But that's week. like not for a while if you are not there yet. Like Build for instance, slowly like over time I, is number one. After Remember the tri- that. Yeah, after the trials, I, I don't think that I've hit. I mean, what have no, I you hit? Haven't. Like 100 or... 100 minutes yeah you've run like an hour 45 okay yeah and so, that was a long long period of time but i was kind of coming back much more conservatively and that's why it says the first part of that is build and then maintain a substantial weekly long run so you, you gotta get you gotta get to a decent long run that doesn't mean you're going to be doing that every week for your entire training cycle but it certainly is during an aerobic condition when i'm trying to really focus on that i need the long run to do that because the long run is accomplishing some things that remember um, we're trying to get high high quality aerobic runs every single day, just about every single day. Um, we need something to extend the extreme of our length a bit, not too much, just a bit. So the long run's good. Number five, include regular neuromuscular activation. Now here's another fascinating thing, where many of the coaches out there uh, resent some of the lidyardites, lidyardisms, lidyard. So many coaches out there don't like when people quote lidyard in a lot of ways because w- they usually use lidyard to quote things like, I should just be doing like long, hard runs every day. And again, you, if you were listening to anything I just said, then you know that's not true. That's certainly not what lidyard said, and that's not what we're recommending here. Um, but the point is you do need neuromuscular activation. And neuromuscular is... The principle of that is what happens when you are extending your effort too near to an extreme. Um, that's where you get the, the the mind muscle connection happens then. And so, in order to do that, um, the best way is short sprints, strides. Yeah, just really short bursts of high fun. intensity speed. They if you are like to fun. have fun, then do fun. a few strides. Yeah, and if you like to get more fit and you know raise your aerobic capacity. But you have to do them in the right way as well because you shouldn't be just like throwing seven strides together at the beginning or end of a run or something like that mm-hmm. because that actually might become an anaerobic energy system workout. So here's the thing. When you do a short enough bout of energy expense, it's called the alactic anaerobic system, which is um, – so I can't remember. Alactic is non-lactic. So essentially what you can do is if you do it for a short enough amount of time, your body does not produce lactic acid as a byproduct because it's not using the same kind of fuel. So in our cells, here's here's your quick cell lesson. You've got a couple of like four different ways that your body produces fuel, energy for, for your muscles. And one of them is just the simple, like with the oxygen and stuff and you're using ATP and it's like highly efficient. You can burn this stuff forever and you never produce waste product. It's great. That's what the aerobic system is. The alactic anaerobic system uses creatine phosphate to produce ATP, which all of you muscle builder people out there know why you take creatine supplements because creatine, as if you enhance the amount of creatine in your body, it essentially is supposedly enhancing your short intensity capacity just a bit. It's hard to enhance it much, by the way. Is it illegal, though? No, it's not. It's not? Creatine is not a banned substance because creatine has no notable benefit in aerobic or in distance performances. It might potentially in weightlifting, but not in performance. It has the benefit in uh, sub- sustaining something. So I could, you know, I can do an extra rep instead of maxing. 110 pounds. Wow, that's a low bench. Instead of maxing <laughs> 210 pounds three times, I could max it 
four times. So that's kind of the principle of it. And the reason why is because your body burns that creatine phosphate super fast. And then it's gone after about uh, 10 seconds is literally about how much time you have with the creatine phosphate. So you do a stride for about 10 seconds. And then guess what? Creatine phosphate also replenishes super quickly. It takes about three to five minutes to get to close to 100% of your available fuel supplies. So yeah, sprinkle those strides in throughout a run. That's it. And another reason why we recommend that, which doesn't have to do with aerobic fitness, is that it's great for your running economy. So that's your form. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons that we recommend sprinkling it throughout is because it adds the benefit of getting kind of a form check throughout your run. It does indeed. And if you read some of Jack Daniels stuff on this, um, he he talks a lot about the importance of these kinds of factors influencing running economy and just mechanics in general. And as you might guess, those are the kinds of things that will also impact your top end raw speed. And all of this speaks to if you're doing the aerobic condition thing right, it kind of looks like a combination of these things for a long period of time. And that's about it. It's not hard. So maybe we should put it all together for you. Let's give you an example. A simple implementation of what we believe to be the foundation, the number one foundation to successful distance running is a week that looks something like this. And this, by the way, is not original in the least. I took this directly from Lydiard's Running with Lydiard book. And there's a reason why, because why try to make something up myself that he wrote out and it would basically be the same thing anyway. So remember, quality aerobic run every day. So at your peak, you're probably running about 600 minutes a week, which, you know, obviously the amount of distance you run varies based on your pace. And that's important because it doesn't really matter how fast you run. You know, if you're a three hour marathoner or a six hour marathoner, you still probably want to shoot toward close to 600 minutes a week. I think most of us probably end up closer to five to 550 because 600 starts to feel quite difficult. Um, and that's, and that's okay. It's close enough because you're accomplishing the same goal. And here's what it is. Monday, about an hour run at a pretty high aerobic effort. Tuesday, about an hour and a half run at a moderate aerobic effort. Because you're running a half an hour longer, you shouldn't be running as hard. You should be a little bit slower, just a little bit, not too much. And then on that Tuesday run, sprinkle in 10 or so strides throughout the run, just one every three or four, three or five minutes. Wednesday, another about an hour high aerobic effort run Thursday, another 90 minutes at that moderate Friday, another hour at that. You get the point, right? Every other day, you're just varying it back and forth. And then Saturday hit your two and a half hour long run. That should be the slowest run of the week. Newsflash. I love running fast on my long runs though. Then you're doing it wrong. I know you're either running the other runs too slow or your long run too hard. And here's the principle of it. If you're doing this right, a hard or a decent aerobic effort, Lydiard calls it your best aerobic effort, should essentially be you should get done with the run having never exceeded your aerobic zone. You should, you should never be entering anaerobic efforts on any of these runs, but you should be right near the top of your aerobic capacity for each of the runs. So if I run an hour to be near the top of my aerobic capacity, I need to run actually a little bit harder. But if I'm running two and a half hours, I should not be running as hard as an hour or even an hour and a half that I did earlier in the week. So in principle, the slowest run of the week should be my long run if I'm doing this right. Now, there's nuance to this. There is. But it, it's really not that difficult. Two and a half hour run at another you know mild to moderate aerobic effort. And then the next day, if I'm running a seven day week, then I run another 90 minute run 
at a moderate aerobic effort, and Monday, I started all over again. And that is the simplest way to include all of the most essential elements to accomplish aerobic condition. So next week, we're going to be talking about something else that's going to contribute and put this together for you because running aerobically, if we're going to just make it practical for you, you're using your body in repetition over and over and over and over. And if the structure is not sound, if you are not doing it correctly, and if your body is not flexible enough, you will break down. So in order to maintain this activity that we call running, there are other factors that contribute in. And that is why the training foundations are three fundamentals to being a successful distance runner. The first and the most important is to grow your aerobic condition. As a distance runner, you can accomplish very little without a decent aerobic base. But you need some other things. But you need some other things. In order to get that aerobic base, to do it healthily. So guess what? Next week, we're talking about, if, if this week was raising the roof, next week is strengthening the animal. <laughs> okay, that was too much. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. And by the way, I did mention it earlier, but we're actually going to publish this all in one concise document that you can acquire. But it's going to be available for only a limited time to subscribers for free upon release. So if you're not a subscriber to a to z running.com, you need to head there right now, a to z running.com slash subscribe or click the button at the top of the page that says follow. follow. Yes. And another thing I want to mention, because a lot of you have been eager about races and really sad about cancellations, there is one happening in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we have a discount code for you. So we'll also have that in the email when the next one goes out, which should be on Thursday. So make sure that you're looking for that. That is Rivertown Races in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It is happening. It is a social distance race, precautions in place, but you get to race. And one more reason why you need to be a subscriber at a Z-Running.com. One, because it's free, and yeah. two, because we give you discounts to races. I know, it's a win-win. You want your inbox to be full of things that make you better instead of things that Whoa. make you want to buy more clothes. <laughs> that was great. You want your inbox full of things that make you better. And that is why we're here and that's what we do. So thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.